So we've been in this series on what is the big deal, and we've been investigating the scriptures about what it means to be a covenant participant in the body of Christ. And it's been kind of amazing, frankly, at the response that we have gotten from this series. And if you would have told me that this stuff would have occurred at the beginning, I'd have said, you know, there's, there's no way. For instance, we've had over 1,750 hits on our website for this series of either downloads or listens to these messages on, on membership, on being a committed participant in the body of Christ. We've had 45 people go through, just in the last month, our discovery class, which is about what it means to be you know, a, a covenant participant within the body of Christ. So it's really cool to see that, and I'm grateful for those responses. I know with those hits on the Internet, they can't all be my mom because she didn't even have a computer, so it's got to be somebody else doing it. But I'm wondering, you know, why such a positive response? I'm grateful for the responses, but why? Perhaps folks are just gratified that there's some clarity about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, and that's cool. Perhaps people are just hungry for a community of faith that's authentic. That is, a, that is appealing. And I'm not saying we're the only ones, but it, it is interesting. I had, a, I had a conversation in one of my philosophy classes this week, and we were talking about existentialism and particularly how it is, how it is displayed within the religious community. And hearing the students talk about this was like, whoa. Uh, and basically they were saying, you know, while they like and it's entertaining to have all the buzz and jazz in church, they really are just looking for something real for something authentic. You don't have to be cool to get it. You just have to be real. You don't have to wear designer jeans and a cool shirt. You just have to be real. It's just really about taking the word of God, communicating it clearly. It's like, where is that? Where can we have a community where we can do that honestly and openly without all the other stuff? People seem to be hungry for that. We also recognize, I think, from this response that there really is a problem. I want all the cards on the table and just to, to be clear about it, okay? I heard this quote from Howard Hendricks, and I think it says it well. He said, uh, he was comparing church with football, and he said, with football, you have uh, 22 men on the field desperately needing rest and 50,000 people in the stands desperately needing exercise. <laughs> and he concluded by saying that that is a description of the local church. Hmm. Is that true? You know, we have talked about going to a third service in our church. And, you know, I've talked to some other pastors, and you read all of the pragmatic church growth experts. It's a no-brainer. I mean, you know, we're full. we got to do it. And then we're thinking, you know what? As elders, we get together, we talk about this. I'm not sure. Are, are we going to get healthier by doing that? Really not convinced of that. In fact, we may be perpetuating a problem. So can, can we talk straight here? All right. There, there are a couple things we look at, and you can only look at uh, these things for what they are, and I don't want to read too much into them, but I think they say something. They say something. For instance, we have, we have grown by over 40% in the last year. Great. I praise God for that. That's really cool. Love that. So you would, you would expect other areas to grow as well along with it. But we still have an incredible need 
in key ministries for service like with our children's Sunday school, you know, still really lagging behind. We have need of new group leaders for our home fellowship groups because to me, that's, this is the, if I had to pinpoint it as the number one thing, it would be this. The ability for people to get connected in, in community, in a small group, to really get to know one another, to give their lives to one another, and to do life together. We don't have enough leaders yet to, to really accommodate the need. It's a huge need there. And then, this is an interesting one. Maybe you won't find it so interesting, but uh, we do. When you consider that we've got like extra people since last year, and our giving has flatlined, stayed the same. Now, if you've been here for more than a month, you know that we don't harp on this. We really don't manipulate people. I can say that with confidence. If anything, we don't talk enough about it. So, but we're just going to talk straight. That these, all these things to look at this might be indicators that we've got a lot of folks, and that's great. And in fact, let me, let me say this, that if, if you are investigating the claims of Christ, we want you to continue to feel free to do that. And there's a lot of people that just want to find out what the church thing is about, and they're really not sure that they're all in, and that is cool with us. It really is. And as long as it takes for you to figure that out, then that's great, okay? And we don't want to, we don't want to put any more pressure on people to do that. But on the other hand, there are a lot of people that have been Christians for a while, Right? And they're just kind of, you know, floating around and never really buying in, never really plugging in, haven't become a committed participant. And that is unacceptable between the Lord and you. To, to have a believer who's not a committed participant in the body of Christ, how do you equate that with being a faithful disciple? That's really a hard thing to do. In fact, I'd say you can't. From a biblical perspective... A community of covenant participants, people who share life together, do ministry together, express a family loyalty that is thicker than even blood family. That's what the community is about. That's what being a part of a local body is about. It's not about those externals. Those are just one indicator. It's really, have I really placed myself under the lordship of Christ and committed. Now, I know there are a lot of hurts out there. I know there are a lot of people that, uh, you know, I've had this problem with church and that. But, you know, listen, at some point, you just got to quit the whining. At some point, you just have to accept responsibility for your life and say, you know what? <laughs> I have for so long complained about what it's like and about my past experience. But you know what? Now it's time to put on the big boy pants. And say, I'm in. I am going to be a committed participant. The factors we see on the outside with these ministry programs and giving, like I said, these aren't really the issue. They're just indicators. The issue is us understanding what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And enjoying what I believe is the most incredible journey. I came to Christ when I was in the ninth grade. Janet and I have been committed to church ever since then. Now, of course, I didn't meet here until later. But ever since the ninth grade, I, have, I don't know of any other life to live. I, I have refused being a part of other organizations. I've been asked to be a part of business organizations, other things. But 
always, my participation in the local body of Christ was always a priority. I don't know, and not because I was a minister, but that was just the way I was taught. That's the way I believe. That's the life I have lived. I'm not telling you something that I haven't already done. I don't do this because I'm paid. I believe this. What does it mean? Does it mean being a part of a program? No. Does it mean I've got to be here every time the church doors are open? No, that has nothing to do with it. We have a common confession that we share in beliefs, right? In truth, we uphold in the gospel, do we not? Yeah, we do. We covenant together to be a part of a community because of those common beliefs. How does that work itself out? It doesn't happen in a vacuum. I also realize that we are dealing with cultural factors, and I've addressed this before. Deal with this notion of, particularly in the religious culture and the evangelical culture, that seeks to strip itself from any vestige with the organized church because it's perceived as being, you know, just not on target, unhip, or self serving, you know, out of touch, and a myriad of other reasons why we don't want to be involved. And so, you know, what we really want to do, what some, you know, perceive it as, is we sip our Starbucks sit in our easy chairs, talk about God, and that's basically the extent of our religious commitment. And if I make it to a big group religious function, you better make sure that it's something that I can get something from, I'm entertained, whatever, or else I'm out of here. And it seems like the, the, to a large portion, the church has acquiesced to this notion. And now it's kind of like the tail wagging the dog. Well, whatever people want, just give it to them. This is what they want. Give it to them. Michael Jackson video on stage. Give it to them. That's cool. Woo, look at Michael. Is that what we're about? You know, when you, when you boil it all down, Jesus loves the church. Jesus died for the church. And I'm not sure we want to put ourselves in a position well, we're so cynical of the very thing that Jesus loves and died for. Now, does the church have issues? Yeah. You know what? My marriage has issues, but I'm not bailing on it because I love my wife. And I'll do the hard work to make sure we stay healthy. It's the same with the church. We have this covenant together that we've made. I'm going to do whatever I can to make it healthy. Right? In your bulletin. You have the points that we've talked about as we've gone through this. You can get that out. The last five weeks, we have talked about each of these points. We've gone over the scriptures that support each point. And by the way, I want to give special thanks to Andy Foster, who spoke last week and uh, did a great job in talking about the importance of truth as we are, that, that we need to embrace as we are on this journey of being a faith community. But here are some questions to bring it all, all home now. What is it that we want you to consider? What is it that are my responsibilities? What are the things that I really need to hone in on? Well, consider these questions. And if you turn the page over from those points, there should be a list of questions for you. Have I taken responsibility for my own spiritual health, or do I find myself often blaming others? You know, I talk to Christians all the time that blame a former pastor or church. I just can't believe the church doing this or that or, you know, and... And they have basically, ever since, they have kept church at arm's length. You know, they, they resemble the guy who maybe had a bad marriage and said, you know, all women are like, 
dude, get over it. Quit being such a schmuck. And get to a point where you can mature enough and realize that's not every woman. And we, we look at the church this way as well. It's a maturity thing, isn't it? It's a perspective thing. Have I yet committed my life to Jesus Christ? And for, for many, this is the first step. Is that, okay, I'm investigating these claims of Christ. You know what? It really makes sense. So have you ever really trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you ever made that step yet? And then, in the, in the New Testament, one of the things that people did immediately after they came to Christ was they, they were baptized. Have you been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ. It was so cool a couple weeks ago where we had the baptism out on the, the east end and half dozen of our people were, were baptized. It's just so cool to see them walking in obedience. Jesus was a great model of this. He was baptized when he started his public ministry and he commanded us to be baptized. Have I agreed to be a covenant participant in a local church? Am I serving in some ministry that edifies believers or reaches out to the community and the world? Am I being a good steward of my time, treasure, and talent? We talked about what that means a couple weeks ago, that God owns it all. So ultimately before him, am I managing all this well? Have I committed to the essential truths of the gospel that bind believers together? Who Jesus Christ is, what he came to do, faith alone in Christ, that's what binds us together. And you know, conversely then, have I committed to not making an agenda of non-essential issues in the body of Christ that serve to create disunity? We've seen this, probably all of us have witnessed this, of people getting all bugged out because of maybe subcultural issues related to, uh, you know, don't, don't do, do enough hymns, or, you know, the music is this or that, or, you know, how do you school your kids, or what do the women wear, or... What does a pastor wear or a whole myriad of other things? Is that really all that important? Is it really? Are you saying that I am going to make this an issue to disfellowship with other people? Really? You know, we resemble, we resemble a lot of times as a body of Christ, you know, it's like a family who gets a new house and the, the wife and the husband are just arguing about what's going to be on the outside. And the, you know, should it be brick or should it be vinyl siding? And, and they're arguing and, you know, for weeks and months and it becomes a separation. It's like, really? Over that? I mean, what's more important? Isn't it the relationships? To realize, you know, it's not so much about the externals on the outside. It's about the relationships inside, right? And some of you guys are thinking, yeah, but brick lasts a lot longer. So, Do I foster a submissive spirit toward fellow believers and leaders in the body of Christ? Or do I find myself often in conflict? This is the issue for a lot of folks that keeps them from really serving in a church, being under a church being under leadership in a church. Because you know what? They just have an insubordination kind of attitude. You know, at some point when you can't get along with other people, when, you know, there are problems maybe with family, a job, and all the churches that you've been at, dude, the problem is you. 
You've got a list a mile long of all these people you've been blaming. And the problem is you. Because you don't know yet how to submit. And you've got to learn that. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't issues and all those other things. But the first thing you need to ask yourself is, do I have this attitude, of this, this submissive spirit, where I can at least realize that there's a bigger agenda going on here, a bigger plan that I need to work toward? Then am I willing to place myself under the lordship of Christ to be obedient in all areas of life as a faithful disciple? This is really the big question that covers it all. Have I gotten to a point in my relationship with Christ where I said, you know, every area, every area I want to be under him, to have him speak to me, and to walk faithfully in accordance with the scripture. Does that mean I have it all down? Absolutely not. Does that mean I have issues? Absolutely. But my attitude is I'm all in and whatever needs work, then, you know, I'm willing to to be open about that and to be vulnerable. It's not a matter here of creating a bunch of robots or creating a bunch of people that are yes men or yes women or whatever. It's about just realizing that there's, there's a higher purpose for our lives than just our little world. But there's a plan here that we're submitting to. And being a part of a committed body, man, it doesn't get any better than that. It's not about control. You know, you really have to start looking at your heart and saying, what is it that keeps me from really enjoying what I should be enjoying? You know, never forget when this, and I've shared this with you before, but when this was finally understood by me, like I'll apply it to our marriage, is that for a long time I just thought, if Janet could only do this, then I could be happy. If she only gave me this, and finally I had to realize it wasn't about her. It was about me. It was about my own attitude and not taking responsibility for where I was. And when that happened, I got to tell you, it was so freeing for me to realize I didn't have to blame all the time. And to, to give the Lord freedom to work in my life and to, to love her more freely. That doesn't mean we don't have issues. That doesn't mean it's all perfect now. But it was a sense of freedom that it brought. It's like, man, I'd much rather be here than where I was years ago. These are some of the things that I think we really want to focus in. I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I want you to take the next minute or two. Look through this list. And maybe there's one of these questions that the Holy Spirit is just really honing in on. Take some time and maybe write down some things that you think you could do to maybe move along in that area or some areas that you need to address. Take a minute or two right now, pen or pencil, look at these questions and deal with that. And while you're doing that, I'm going to ask the elders to come on up here. Um, some of you that are new may not know uh, who our elders are, so we thought it'd be good to uh, have you meet them. And then secondly, we wanted to open it up because the last five weeks we've been talking about what it you know, what it means to be a committed participant. Uh, if there's something that isn't clear, something that you had a question about, we just want to open it up today for you to, to ask that. So well, let's start down here. Uh, my name is Don Livermore. Andy Foster, my wife Heidi and Isaac. My son Isaac. My wife Diane. <laughs> I'm Joel Butler, my wife Chris. I think she's in, in another office at this time, maybe working in the nursery or something, but she's around here. we got four kids. Uh, Brandon, Andrew, Riley, and little Alex. 
and we've been married 11 years and been going here for about six to seven years. So, My name's Hayden Friend. My wife, Rhonda, is in the nursery today. I have four children, Hannah and Maddie and Ben and Hawkins, and we've been here almost 20 years. So. Cool. And uh, I'm Kevin. My wife, Janet, is not here. She goes to another church. So... <laughs> Problem with question 12. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Any questions that you guys have? Um, things that maybe weren't clear? Anything you have for the elders related to what we've been talking about? As you look on that sheet, fire away. Yes. Great question. I'd say start with Nathan. Thank you. Good question. Did you fill out the 10-page registration? Maybe there's an unanswered question on that. Well, I think I think a lot of it has been has been already stated, but our our some of our biggest areas of need are with volunteers back with the kids. I think, you know, we studied judges, you know, for a year and a half or something. I, don't, I lost track of the time. We went so slow and methodically through it. But uh, back at the beginning chapters, you know, they come off the great conquest coming into the land. And the people commit themselves, you know, and with Joshua. And they all say, we're going to serve the Lord. And Joshua has that big statement, me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And they write some stuff and put it under this oak tree. And they all are committed. And then just one generation later, the kids didn't know about what God had done. They didn't know, uh, you know, they didn't know the Lord, it said, nor the things that he had done. And it just really drove home in my mind that we need to make that a priority. Because when we don't do a good job with the next generation. Um, and we really struggle. And I've said this before up here, so you're probably saying, well, Joel's saying, getting on his same little soapbox with the Joshua story and the judges <laughs> thing. But nonetheless, it's, it is, it's one of our uh, areas of great need is to get people willing to work with the kids. Uh, it's really not all that uh, difficult. It just takes some commitment uh, and some time. I know there's, there's some other areas, too, you guys want to. Just to expound on the children and youth, uh, right now we have our junior high and senior high combined in one class, which works really well right now, but I suspect as the children continue to mature and come up through the classes, we'll need more resources there. So not only just the little kids, but also thinking about teaching junior high and also helping out senior high. And uh, those are certainly needs that will be probably growing as time goes on. Uh, with the youth group, I know that's been a, a growing and thriving thing. And if you're interested in that, certainly talk to Sean Courtney about uh, possible needs there as well. Home fellowship group leaders would be another huge area. Um, I think you could probably look at about any ministry and see that there are needs for people to serve. Um, but I think uh, what we've been struggling with as elders is um, it's one thing to fill the positions, but we're really interested in finding out the spiritual health of Christ Community Church. Um, we can um, we can probably use shame and guilt 
<clears throat> to get people to fill these positions. You know, it works real good to just say how bad the need is and so forth. But, you know, we've discovered that um, if you just, if somebody just fills a position because it needs to be filled, um, that's not really serving. Serving is really when you feel led to a particular spot and you do it because that's what God wants you to do, okay? Um, and we've also discovered that if we do this on our own, it's just, well, they need somebody, so we go there. Most of the time you're doing that in yourself. Yourself's doing it. The Holy Spirit's not there. You know, that's not really true serving. So, you know, it's, imp it's important to fill the positions, but, I, but we think that it's more important to fill the positions for the right reason. Uh, do it because you want to serve, you know, from the heart, not just to, not just to supply a need. And uh, we, we're, we're overtaxing um, the, the people that are serving now. That just they're, they're so busy. They're doing so many things that uh, we should have a. When somebody wants to start a, a ministry, you know, in my thoughts are we should have a list of people there that say, hey, as soon as there's an opening, I want to fill a spot. You know, instead of going out and trying to talk to somebody and say, hey, about this, you know. We just feel that there's so much, so much being missed by not serving. You know, it's not that, you know, we talked about membership. The term membership is so, has such a negative, um, to, it's just everybody knows what membership is. And we're not talking about membership. We're talking about being a covenant participant, being, being part of this body. And, uh, and so... You know, this is, a, this is something we've really struggled with. We don't want it to sound like we're coming up here just trying to talk people into doing something. You know, our spiritual health is the most important thing, you know, um, outside of God in this, you know, we think in this church. And uh, we're trying to look at, um, you know, some kind of a, a, a metering system to try to determine that. And serving, we think, is one of them. So that's what uh, I'll get off my soapbox. No, I think that's a great point, Don. You know, when I, uh, before I was pastor, I worked for a company for seven years that manufactured furniture and sold furniture. And uh, they really tried to make, you know, I toured the manufacturing plant in Colorado, and they really tried to make quality furniture so that they could sell, obviously, a lot of it. But if the quality stinks, people aren't going to buy it, Right. You know, and, and quality control was a, was a big deal for us. And I think maybe if draw a parallel that, that quality control, I don't like the word control, but I think you get the idea that we're really interested about producing quality disciples over just filling as many people as we can in the building. Um, and, you know, what, what we're doing and the route we're taking goes against Every pragmatic church growth expert that says, you know, when you get to a certain level, man, you know, you gotta, you gotta uh, uh, have a, have the next service, and you can get more people, blah 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 blah. You know, that, that just doesn't resonate with us, and I don't think it resonates with the scriptures either. That we have to first stop, look, and listen, and and uh, see if there are things that we can do that that we're trying to be responsible for. Uh, accept responsibility as managers of the household of God and say, okay, let's do whatever we can to make sure we're in a, we're in a good, healthy position. And just going along with that, 
we obviously aren't here to manufacture activities or a to-do list, which is easy to do. I think Kevin certainly mentioned many times we're not program-oriented. We're not considered you know, really that concerned with the organization so much as we, we are the organism and how we're communing with one another, living with one another, fellowshipping with one another. And in response to what Don was saying, expounding upon that is that to, to serve Christ is to know him and to know who he is, have an intimate relationship with him. And to do that is to be in his word, to know the truth. We talked about that last week, and we want this, much like Nick talked about this morning, as we serve the body and serve one another, it's a response, a natural response to our love for Christ and one another. And that's the kind of environment we want. We don't want to put a list up here and say, oh, well, let's just fill that spot, and you come with it at an empty heart or you're stressed or trying to fit it in with everything else. We want it to be a response to your relationship with Christ. Good question. In my opinion, uh, kind of what we've seen, it's about the same, but it's getting a little louder now that we have more increasing needs. Um, that's just what I've seen over the years. It's, it's just been a, 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 a continual problem that we've had just ongoing, so... I think in that area, I would agree with Hayden as far as the serving. There are other areas where I think there's been a lot of growth. Um, I think in the area of unity, which is one of the areas we've talked about here, uh, our church was racked with issues years and years past. And that has, not been the issue, that has not been the case in the last several years. We have enjoyed a tremendous sense of, of unity and spiritual oneness the last several years and have not had to deal with those subcultural issues that affect a lot of churches um, to where it you know, splits churches and stuff like that. Um, so in that sense, I think there's been a lot of growth, and I think that's what attracts a lot of people, that we don't have a lot of that baggage when you come here. Um, so there's been some growth in some areas, and other areas I think we've lagged behind. How's that for a good political answer? I was just going to add to that, too, that uh, I think one of the challenges we face in our culture is sort of like Kevin hit, I think it was several weeks back when he went to that Revelation 3 letter to the Laodiceans about uh, all their wealth and affluence, and it can, it can really distract us as a body, and we become effectively lukewarm, and we're not hot, we're not cold, we're just sort of halfway, and, uh, and so as far as our health going forward, that's a, that's a challenge in this culture. It's so easy to just sit and, and not take, like we've been talking about, get up and, and be a committed participant. It really takes some action. And, uh, um, you know, Brandon's playing soccer, and I haven't used this. You know, he's, he's sort of not running all that hard. I'm like, you need to either be all out or we're not going to do it. If we're halfway in the middle, just sort of lukewarm. Yeah, the coach is going to take you off the field. And that's what he says to the layer to see. And so if you're lukewarm, you're not going to get this thing going in the right direction, I'm going to take the lampstand away. So it's uh, one of those challenges in our culture that's a really big one that we face that will hit our health, the spiritual health, and get us sort of lackadaisical and trusting in other things and not taking action. So. It's a great question. It's a great question. Oh, in, our, in our Discover Group, for instance, we have a section on this, and uh, there's a whole lesson that we go over that uh, lists 
what some of the different gifts are in the scripture that are mentioned. And uh, uh, they actually, in this, uh, in this session, they'll actually have a friend uh, fill out a deal, a little survey on them of what they see in them. Uh, they'll uh, note other things that they've done that they've enjoyed or, or not enjoyed, other things that they've done that's produced uh, maybe fruit, has been fruitful, and other things that just kind of, you know, didn't work at all. Um, and just the encouragement from other people, all these things, I think, are thrown into the pot to help us realize. The, the bottom line, though, and I think it's a very important question to ask, but even more important than what the gift is, is where my heart is and my availability to be used. And that's what God wants for us. And it's like what I heard one guy say is that God can't steer a parked car. You, know, you have to be moving. And I think as you're serving, uh, God will reveal to you uh, what your gift is, what are the things that you enjoy and don't enjoy. Um, and so no one of those things is, a, uh, is an indicator. It's, you know, I remember when my wife first became a Christian, she was in a class and got a very negative comment from one of the leaders in the church about her teaching. And she did not want to touch teaching for a long time. And yet she is extremely gifted in that area, has her degree in teaching, great with kids. Uh, I've seen her lead over 20 kids to Christ in one class she was teaching um, with uh, fourth and fifth graders. I mean, she is just amazing and yet didn't want to do it just because of one comment like that. And sometimes the things that, uh, that we shy away from and we're so against may be not because we're not gifted, but maybe because of hurts that we have there that, that we have to resolve. So all of that I would just throw out as uh, potential things to, uh, to look at. But if you've never been through the Discover Group, that'd be a good place to start, maybe. One thing is, um, I was thinking as Bill was... Um, Talking about the church is if we have a, uh, if we need a PR director, I nominate Bill for that spot. <laughs> but one thing you might do if you're if you're wanting to try something and you're not sure what it is, go around to classes and other ministries and, and spend some time there. You know, and you know if God wants you in a particular ministry, it'll click with you. You'll you'll know it. It's a good suggestion. You know, he's he's not turning people away. Uh, one thing. I would like to say what Dan, and I really appreciate what Dan and Bill both had to say, you know, about the elders. You know, that's that's nice to hear. But we realize that the buck stops with us. If we're not if we're not providing everything that it takes um, for the church to be healthy, it's God's responsibility to see that you do that. You know, but but we need to uh, we need to make sure that we're doing all we can. That's why it's important to communicate with everyone that's out here because you know the buck stops here. We need we need to do our jobs. Um, so that you can do what you're, what God's leading you to do. Any other questions? Well, thank you for the time. Um, if you're interested in being a part of any particular ministry, you can have a sign-up sheet uh, that's on the back table there. You can take a look at that. And if you have any further questions that you'd like to ask of us, please don't hesitate and talk to us afterwards, okay?